Get Sleepy is a production of Slumber Studios and is made possible thanks to the generous support of our sponsors and premium members. If you'd like to listen ad-free and access weekly bonus episodes, extra long stories, and our entire back catalogue, you can try out Premium free for seven days by following the link in the episode notes. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax, and we get sleepy. As always, I'm your host, Thomas. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tonight's story is the first episode in a series, a 12-part series. It's a relaxing retelling of some of the most famous stories in Greek mythology, the Twelve Labors of Hercules. Hercules, or Heracles to use his Greek name, was one of the great mythological heroes, renowned for his superhuman strength and bravery. He lived an action-packed life, battling monsters and embarking on countless adventures, and eventually he became a god. Tonight, we'll get to know our hero and join him at the beginning of his epic quest. Hercules' first task, the first of the twelve labors, is to defeat the lion, Nemea. You'll be able to hear the rest of our sleepy adventures with Hercules over the coming months of 2024 all of which were beautifully crafted by one of our regular writers on Get Sleepy, Alexandra. So, my friends, get ready to listen to tonight's story by making sure you're in a comfortable position, with your head supported and your arms and legs loose and relaxed. Once you've found that perfect position, take a deep breath in, and as you breathe back out, imagine your mind clearing. Thoughts, worries, to-do lists, let them all go with the breath as there's no need for them right now. This is your well-earned time to rest and recharge. It's part of our intrinsic nature to use the nighttime hours for our rest. We're creatures designed to thrive in the daylight and that's why it's also important to try and regulate your body clock by getting out into the daylight in the morning if you can. Then, later in the day, it's just as helpful to keep the lighting in your home nice and soft, 
to help your body clock understand that bedtime is approaching. I know this is more difficult in the winter months when daylight hours are shorter, but if you're finding it difficult to sleep at night of late, maybe try and focus on regulating your body clock for the next few days. Exposing yourself to natural light when you can, and just see how you go. But even that is for tomorrow. Right now, just continue to breathe in and out, letting go of anything disrupting your mind in this moment. you can allow yourself to completely relax. There's nothing you need to do but listen to my voice as we begin our story. It's time to travel to Greece thousands of years ago. In the mountains in the heart of Greece was a sacred place named Delphi. For the ancient Greeks, it was the center of the world. Delphi was surrounded by limestone cliffs known as the Shining Ones. When the midday sun hit the rocks, they dazzled. It was as though the gods themselves were casting their light on Delphi, illuminating the landscape and the beautiful temples that had been built in their honor. The sanctuary at Delphi consisted of several temples. Perhaps the most magnificent of all was the one dedicated to Apollo, the god of sun and light, poetry, music and dance, healing, and truth and prophecy. People would travel from across the country to visit this temple, and the pilgrims came not just to pay their respects to Apollo, but also to visit the priestess. She was the oracle. She could provide answers to the most challenging questions and offer guidance to those who were lost. Pilgrims would leave Delphi with a feeling of peace and happiness and a new sense of purpose. One afternoon, 
a man stood outside the temple of Apollo, waiting for his turn with the priestess. He had traveled for days and taken part in rituals and processions to prepare for the meeting. And now, it was almost time. The man who waited was tall and muscular, with a short beard and dark curly hair. His skin was tanned a deep golden brown from long days on horseback under the sun. At first glance, the man seemed young, in his twenties perhaps, or early thirties. But somehow, his dark eyes made him look older. The other pilgrims at Delphi noticed this man and exchanged whispers. Who was he? There was something about him, a kind of aura almost. Some said that in his gaze there was a glint of the divine. And it was true, the man was not a god, not yet, but he was the son of a god. His name was Hercules. His father was Zeus, the god of the sky and thunder, and his mother, Alcmene, was a mortal. But she was one of the wisest and most beautiful of all mortals, with eyes to rival those of the goddess Aphrodite. Even at an early age, there had been signs that Hercules was different. When he was just eight months old, two enormous snakes had slithered into the nursery that he shared with his twin brother. Seeing the snakes, his brother had cried in fear. But Hercules had grabbed a snake in each of his pudgy little hands and squeezed the life out of them. With a god for a father, of course Hercules was going to be something special. But nonetheless, his mother was astonished by her son's strength and bravery. She consulted a famous prophet, Tiresias, who predicted an extraordinary future for the child. According to the prophet, Hercules would grow up to defeat all kinds of monsters. He was destined to become a hero. And so, over the years, Hercules grew up, 
he became a man, but he had not become a hero yet. Now he was patiently waiting his turn to meet with the oracle at Delphi. In recent years, Hercules had felt lost. He wanted direction, purpose, and Delphi was the place to find it. Standing in front of the temple, Hercules was surprised by how relaxed he felt. All his life, he had been restless and impatient, rushing from one experience to the next. But now, he felt calm, in an almost meditative state. Perhaps it was the result of the sacred rituals he'd taken part in, the trances, and that dreamy procession along the sacred way, with laurel leaves in his hands. Already, Delphi had changed him, and he hadn't even met the oracle yet. Hercules took a slow, deep breath, and looked around. He could see the valleys spread out below, the sprawling olive groves, the clouds rolling over the distant mountains, casting soft shadows, a bird of prey flying high above, wheeling around in slow circles, and the shining cliffs gleaming gold beneath the afternoon sun. What a beautiful place, thought Hercules. He was so lucky to be here. Closing his eyes, he savoured the warmth of the sun on his skin and the fresh mountain breeze that blew through his hair. He waited and waited, and then it was time. Someone was calling his name. Hercules opened his eyes and saw an old man, a priest of Apollo. The oracle will see you now, said the priest. Hercules felt a thrill of excitement in his chest. At last, it was his turn to meet the oracle and learn his fate. The priest led Hercules into the temple past enormous statues and columns. One was inscribed with a command, Know thyself. 
The words lingered in Hercules' mind as he followed the priest into a room, the innermost sanctuary. Usually, no one was allowed to enter. Hercules was one of the lucky few to be granted access. Now he found himself in a small, narrow, dimly lit chamber, standing opposite the oracle. The woman had white hair and a white dress, and sat in a golden, three-legged chair. In one hand she held a sprig of laurel, and in the other a bronze dish of water. The air was filled with a kind of fume or vapor. It had a strange, sweet scent, almost like a perfume, and it appeared to emanate from a crack in the floor near the oracle's chair. Breathing in, Hercules felt himself becoming more and more relaxed. He stood there in silence, waiting for the oracle to speak. She would already know his question and the answer. The oracle seemed to look at him without seeing him. She was deep in trance. Her gaze shifted to the dish of water in her hand, and then back to Hercules. When she spoke, her words were slow and slurred, and came in a peculiar order. Hercules had to untangle the words in his mind, as though he were solving a riddle. The oracle's message was this. Hercules must travel south and serve his cousin, King Eurystheus, doing whatever the king asked. The hero's reward was eternal life. When Hercules left the temple, his head was reeling. It seemed he could still smell the fumes and see the oracle's face in front of him, pale in the darkness. This moment would stay with him forever. Looking up into the bright blue sky, Hercules felt himself slowly returning to reality. Once more, he became aware of the sun on his face, and the breeze rippling through his hair and clothes. He had his answer now, 
it wasn't the answer he'd expected or wanted, but it was an answer, and he trusted the oracle. She spoke on behalf of Apollo, after all. There was no higher authority. The next day, Hercules left Delphi. His pilgrimage to the center of the world had come to an end. Now it was time to begin another journey. He went to the stables on the edge of town, where his horse was waiting for him. She was a beautiful grey mare, and he loved her more than any other living creature. He had named her Ianthe, which meant violet flower. The first time he'd laid eyes on her, she had been living among other wild horses, grazing in a meadow surrounded by purple flowers. Now, she was eating hay in the stable, where she'd been patiently awaiting his return. Hercules stroked her neck fondly, then rested his head against hers. He wasn't exactly looking forward to the journey south, but at least they were together again. And once he was on the road, he felt differently. After days in Delphi, it was refreshing to be on the move again passing through golden fields and riding along high coastal paths which overlooked the sparkling blue ocean. Further south, Hercules rode through endless acres of olive trees and undulating green hills, passing village after village after village, until, at last, he arrived. Night had fallen, and he was exhausted. The king's palace stood at the top of the hill, encircled by cypresses. In the moonlight, and in Hercules' fatigued state, it looked unreal, like something he'd dreamt. As Hercules slowly rode up the path, the sounds of trotting hooves and whirring cicadas blended together, creating a hypnotic rhythm. He could almost have fallen asleep right there, sitting astride his horse. But somehow, he made it to the top of the hill 
after ensuring that Ianthe was safe in the palace stables, Hercules went inside to announce his arrival to the king, his cousin. They hadn't seen each other for many years. Hercules had vague memories of visiting the palace in childhood, and his older cousin bossing him around as they played together. He had even stolen some of Hercules' marbles. He smiled, wondering if the king remembered too. In a way, it was fitting that the oracle had sent him here of all places. Here he was again, about to receive more orders from his cousin. When the king saw Hercules standing in the entrance hall, he could barely contain his astonishment. And when he heard the reason for the visit, his eyebrows went up even higher. The oracle at Delphi had told Hercules to serve the king and do whatever he commanded. How peculiar. But if that's what the oracle said, The king laughed and gave Hercules a pat on the back. He was sure he could think of something for him to do. But first, dinner. His cousin must be hungry after the long journey. With a smile, Hercules politely declined. All he wanted right now was a cup of water and a bed. He was longing to lie down. Right away, a servant escorted Hercules upstairs to a guest room. Not the grandest guest room, Hercules noticed. He remembered that there were others far bigger and lavishly decorated. This room was rather modest, with simple wooden furniture. But in his current sleepy state, Hercules didn't really mind. He gratefully drank the water the servant brought him. Once he'd quenched his thirst, he held the cup to the light of the oil lamp to admire the details. The orange cup was beautifully decorated in black designs. There was an image of the wine god Dionysus reclining in a boat in the middle of the sea and all around were glossy dolphins moving joyfully through the waves. 
as Hercules slowly turned the cup in his hands, the intricate details caught the light and seemed to shine. It didn't matter that his room was humble, he realized. Beauty was everywhere. Hercules set down the cup, then let out a long, satisfying yawn. The bed looked rather ordinary with its simple wooden frame, but he was so tired that being able to lie down on any bed seemed like the greatest luxury in the world. And it turned out to be more comfortable than it looked, sinking gently under his weight as he stretched out. He closed his eyes and took a deep breath, which seemed to flow right through him. He could feel his body relaxing, his mind emptying, and soon he fell fast asleep. The next morning, Hercules awoke, feeling completely refreshed. He bathed and dressed, then went in search of the shady terrace he remembered from his childhood. The terrace, which had a spectacular view of the sea, was where breakfast was usually served. It didn't take him long to find it. Hercules made himself comfortable in a chair on the terrace, where there was just the right balance between sun and shade, and where he had the perfect view of the waves. Then he enjoyed a hearty breakfast of honey-drenched pancakes. This would give him the energy for whatever the day brought. As Hercules was helping himself to another pancake, the king stepped onto the terrace. He greeted Hercules cheerfully as he sat down opposite him. The king had been thinking, if the gods wanted Hercules to serve him, so be it. He had plenty of ideas. In fact, he had a list of tasks for Hercules to do. How many tasks? asked Hercules. Ten, said the king or maybe twelve. Let's see. Hercules sighed. He could see that he was going to be here for a while. The first task, said the king, 
was to slay the Nemean lion. Hercules must have heard of it. Of course, Hercules had heard of the lion. It was infamous. For many years, it had roamed the woods near the town of Nemea, and the people lived in fear. This was no ordinary lion. It was a giant, at least twice the size of a normal lion, with teeth like swords and a roar like thunder. Some said it was descended from monsters. According to others, it had come from the underworld. Over the years, many people had tried to slay the lion or chase it away, but without luck. It remained there, lurking in the woods of Nomea, invincible, maybe even immortal. Hercules was their only chance. And so, after breakfast, Hercules found himself back on the road, riding northwards to Nomea. For most of the way, it was the same road he'd traveled on the day before. He didn't have to think. He could simply ride on, letting his mind wander as Ianthe took him through fields and villages. On the way, Hercules found himself reflecting on the oracle's words and the list of tasks the king had come up with. It was not the life he'd imagined, looking for lions at his cousin's command. But he had to remember that this was what the gods wanted. Deep down, Hercules knew he had to fulfill his potential, become the hero he was meant to be. And this was the way to do it. As he approached Nemea, his thoughts turned to the battle ahead. Somehow, the lion didn't frighten him. Hercules knew how to turn fear into excitement, to see every experience as a challenge, an adventure. Besides, if the gods wanted him to follow his cousin's orders and to complete the list of tasks, surely he was safe for now. He was only just getting started. A little while later, feeling relaxed and confident, 
Hercules entered the town of Nemea. People gathered in the streets, excited to see him. News traveled fast in this part of the country, and they'd already heard about the stranger, a hero in the making. If anyone could defeat the lion, it was Hercules. The crowds called after him, wishing him good luck. Then they watched as he rode on towards the woods. Hercules had everything he needed, his bow and arrow, his sword, and the strength of his own bare hands. If the lion appeared, he was ready. But to his surprise, there was no sign of the beast. Trotting slowly through the trees, he looked around, searching for any place where the lion might be lurking. Although, if it was as big as they said it was, it should be easy to spot. And then, all of a sudden, Ianthe stopped and stiffened. Hercules stroked the horse's neck reassuringly, but she wouldn't take a single step further. He dismounted and began to walk through the long grass, his bow and arrow at the ready. There was a fluttering sensation in his chest, but he told himself that it was just excitement. He wasn't afraid. Further on, he came to a clearing. On the other side was a large cave overgrown with moss and peering out from the cave entrance were two huge amber eyes. Hercules came to a halt, staring in wonder as the lion emerged. It was a monster, but a magnificent one, with a shining mane and thick fur like armor. When it opened its mouth, not in a roar, but a yawn, Hercules felt as if he was staring into the entrance of another cave. The lion moved slowly, as though it had just woken up. But then it fixed its eyes on Hercules and it was clear that the battle was about to begin. Hercules couldn't afford to hesitate for another second. 
at once, Ito came and fired arrow after arrow. But they bounced off the lion's fur without leaving a mark. Then Hercules took his sword and charged towards the beast, striking again and again. Yet the blade did nothing. By now, he was so close that he could feel the heat of the lion's breath on his face, and its growls rumbling through him. There was only one thing left to try. Hercules placed his hands on the monster's neck and squeezed, just as he'd squeezed the snakes all those years ago. He felt the strength coursing through him, a surge of divine power. And just like that, it was over. The lion lay on the grass, so still and peaceful, it might have been sleeping. With his sword, Hercules cut a golden tuft from the lion's mane. He would show this to the people of Nemea later, and then to the king as proof of his triumph. As he walked back through the trees, he smiled, imagining their reaction, their happiness and praise. For the first time in his life, he'd done something not only impressive, but heroic. Ianthe was pleased to see him. The horse nuzzled him affectionately, and then they walked side by side towards a stream they had passed by earlier. As Ianthe drank from the stream, Hercules splashed the cool water on his face, then took sips from his cupped palms. It tasted so good, so fresh. Then he slipped off his sandals and lay down on the grass, where a soft mound made the perfect pillow for his head. Soon he would return to the town and then the king's palace for his next task. But all of that could wait. For now, he was content to stay here, enjoying a well-deserved rest in the shade and listening to the stream. It was so soothing 
just what he needed after the excitement of the battle. The longer he listened, the more he could feel his heartbeat slowing, his breathing deepening. Peace was like beauty, he reflected, something you could find everywhere if you looked, or something you could even create yourself. He could have rushed on, heading directly back to town, but instead he had remembered the stream and chosen to stop and rest. Closing his eyes, Hercules decided that he would do this next time too, have a rest between adventures. That way, he would be fully recharged for whatever came next. But he didn't need to think about that right now. He let his mind wander as he listened to the stream, gradually drifting into a deeper state of calm. Mm.